If I hear one more person use religion as a reason to not give rights to people, I'm probably gonna explode. Who's gonna tell him? Who's gonna tell Tucker? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season three of Bloom the Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the newest season of season three. I am your host, Donovan, and I know what you're probably thinking off off rip that I'm here doing a solo episode. I haven't done a solo episode in a long time, but if uh, 2022 has taught me anything, it has taught me to pivot. Um, so we're pivoting the show just as much, and I'm sure you will be seeing uh, co-host Ashley back on various episodes throughout season three. But um, with the birth of her new child, she is preoccupied, rightfully so. Um, baby Kiki's getting all the love in the world, so she'll be kind of out and about um, on certain episodes when she's around. But we're going to be moving forward. We're going to the, the show doesn't stop, and. Um, you know, this has been a product of mine since 2020, and we're not stopping now. So if you guys are all here for season three, welcome. This season is going to be crazy. And I'm sure you saw the title of this episode, and you're thinking, what's going on? What is happening? What's Donovan talking about? You guys are in for a treat today. Um, if you guys recognize the set or the video, I, I posted this actually on my Instagram that I was at Jubilee Studios recording with them. And man, was that an experience. I learned a lot, saw a lot, heard a lot. It was crazy. Um, but before we get into all that, just want to do some basic housekeeping. Um, season two just wrapped up. Um, we had Hannah Carmichael on there for our final episode talking about sex and the gospel and the correlation between those two things. It was a phenomenal episode. Hannah was amazing, gave a lot of great points, a lot of great insight. So many mic drop moments from her in that episode. So if you guys didn't check that out, make sure you go back to check out the last episode of season two um, before jumping into season three with us. Um, like I said, I'm happy that you guys are here. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to get straight into the video, you know, without further ado. Um, before we actually do the breakdown, because that's what we're going to be doing today, guys. Why went on the episode of Jubilee? It was feminism versus anti-feminism, uh, an all-male debate. Uh, so it was four male uh, feminists versus four male anti-feminists. Um, the title alone is a little bit confusing. I've never called myself an anti-feminist, which is something we all echoed. Um, on the episode, but Jubilee's in it for the clout. We know this. Um, if you guys are unfamiliar with Jubilee, they do all kinds of uh, random topics, social issues, gender issues, political issues, and they have people talk about it um, in a debate-ish type of setting. Um, you know, it's not really that great of a format, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it's too many people. It's a too much crowded of a space, not enough time to really elaborate your thoughts on the topic. And it's very polarizing. Their prompts are very, uh, they're made to segregate. And I think that's my, one of my biggest issues with the whole thing, um, was the prompts need nuance. And I, I know the goal is to try and add that nuance throughout conversation, but that really, it really doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen the way that you would want it to. So that's why I'm doing this episode. Um, well, oh, at least one of the reasons. The second reason is we recorded for maybe four and a half hours. 
the video is 55 minutes, and that's one of their longer ones. So you can only imagine the amount of stuff that they cut out. I can only imagine that the reason that I was casted is because of my uh, religious beliefs. Obviously, I'm a Christian, and I was an easy target for uh, the villainous religious character. As you probably saw from the little intro clip of Homeboy Tucker, not a fan of... uh, (laughs) Not a fan of the Bible or anything that the Bible promotes when it comes to gender roles, intersexual dynamics, or anything like that, um, just in general. So, not a big fan. Uh, Neither was anyone in the comments. I've made a lot of new friends in the comments of people saying crazy stuff about me. Um, Even PragerU had to jump on the bandwagon, throwing some hate your boy's way. It's all good. We expected it. But that's why we're here today is to set some things straight. I'm not going to change any of my stances. I stand by everything that I said on that episode. I believe it's all derived from scripture. It's all derived from reality of life, biology, physiology, science, all those things um, compiled together to make the points that I was making on that show. Um, The editing was done in a very specific way from Jubilee. Um, It was basically a hit piece on anything conservative value towards feminism they edit it in a way that made the feminists look to be the heroes um if you look throughout the comments of the video you see a lot of women talking about you know it's great to see men stepping up for women's rights and you know all that kind of shenanigans and it's kind of sad to see we've kind of brainwashed society into thinking that the points that these men are making are valid points um and i'll be breaking this down as we go through i'm not sure how long we're going to go for today i've got a lot to say Um, there's a lot to be said. Um, so without further ado, we're going to jump into it. Um, also, if you're unfamiliar with this type of format, they basically give a prompt and then they have two parties and they either say whether they agree or disagree. So without further ado, we are going to jump into the first prompt, which is do women have it easier than they think they do? Um, I think it's important to highlight as well that the answers that are being given are in context to the answer. And I'll flush that out uh, a little bit more as we go through. Step forward if you agree with the prompt. Women have it easier than they think they do. With feminism, it's kind of brainwashed women to think that they are victims in 99% of cases and all the disenfranchisement that they would claim in like colleges and careers. A lot of these careers are way easier to get into for women than they are for men because they're looking to hire women because of feminism. Yeah, like in divorce and stuff, they get more property, the kids' rights, all that. Yeah. But more so, I think that from the jump, actually have it easier. Like, yeah. men need to be a provider. They're taught to be tough. Oh, why are you crying? Don't be a girl. But when a girl is crying or a girl is upset or anything that happens, usually there's like a, they're a princess and they're, you know, they're given the world. Well, yeah, because with women, they're born with their value. They innately have value. They can create right. life and they're extremely valuable from birth. For men, right. it's not really the same way. You have to make something of yourself to be respected. Exactly. Like a pretty woman can go far just using her face. A man can't do that. A man no. can't go to a rich businessman or, or like a businesswoman and be like, I'm, I'm good looking, let me come to your yacht. Right. A woman can. Right. Let's bring the disagreeers forward. I swear it gets crazy. From the jump. I have a quick question. Just a second ago, you were saying that a pretty woman could go onto a rich man's yacht and that would be kind of her ticket on, right? Yep. Okay, so did that help women vote at all, being pretty? 
but what does I, that have I, to do I'm, with it? I'm just asking because I mean when we're talking about women's lives being better than they think they are would you rather be pretty and be able to get on a yacht or have your liberties? What, what are we living in, like 1950s or 2022? Yeah. They already have, have the, the right, right to, to vote. vote for a long time. I think something you specifically said shows to me why women don't have it easier. I think it was you who said, women already have their value. Their value is already obvious because they can have children. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put you into the box, but there are large amounts of men. Women are people that have children and then they raise the child and they be quiet. And I think that is a problem. Not at all. I think what was really evident to me when both of y'all came up and talked was how indoctrinated into the patriarchy you mm -hmm. are. Right? <laughs> you both come up and say, as men, we have to prove something. And those expectations that you put on yourself mm -hmm. is a direct result of patriarchy and the systems that feminism is trying to dismantle. So, as, so are the values, as are the values and that women have that when they were born that you're talking about, women did not create those. Right. Right. Those, those are God ordained. Uh, so, men and women are both equal under God and in value as human beings. In Genesis, you have a creation of both men and women that are made in God's we're image. We're not about so to quote both... the Bible on like some yeah. feminist Hold on, but so, I mean, we so, can. We're operating in a country we, where there's a separation of church and state. You cannot use religion okay, as, as, as a motivation to make legislation. If I hear one more <laughs> person use religion as a reason to not give rights to people, I'm probably going to fuck explode okay um a lot there so um i want to start with a, f a couple things <sighs> feminism as a whole guys right you we have to think of the starting points of feminism the messages that they're preaching when we're answering this question do women have it easier than men in society we have to answer that question through the guise of the feminist plight right that women are disenfranchised that women are held back all of those things so when this question is asked the reason i agree or uh, yeah the reason i agree with this prompt is because the feminist movement has to sell victimhood to these women um it has to tell them that they're disenfranchised in order for them to stick around if feminism would have said you know in the 1920s when they got the right to vote now they're equal as men they still have uh you know they have the right to pursue education the right to pursue careers they have the right to vote all these things all the legislation in the world is on their side so when we're answering this question of do they have it easier and if the feminism in the 1920s were to say oh now that you have these rights you're equal to men you're good now you've lost a whole group of people because they aren't disenfranchised anymore. They're no longer disenfranchised. They have to keep on uh, pushing on and they have to act the same way that men act, which is to go out and to earn your value like I was talking about. But what they've done very cleverly is to continue to sell this narrative of victimization to these women. And they're so blind that they can't even really tell you what it is that's holding them back. You heard uh, Josh there talking about the patriarchy and things of that nature which they cannot define we asked multiple times in the argument that was edited out of course but they can't define patriarchy for you um so it's very evident that this is kind of just continual emotional arguments of disenfranchisement that they cannot define so when we're answering this question of do women have it easier than men we really need to look at the root of the question and follow that to its logical conclusion which is to say yes they do have it easier because just for the simple fact that they think that they're disenfranchised and they live this whole life getting you know jobs and quotas and all these things built off of that fact that they are disenfranchised so I mean, the question is, I, again, polarizing, but it's the truth.
kind of moving on to the next point when talking about jobs, and I brought this up in the bit, is all these jobs, all these colleges make allowances for women on the fact that they are women. So we'd look at the STEM fields, um, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. All those fields have quotas for women. So if a woman is to go into those fields, which which they typically choose not to, and we'll cover that in a later prompt, but they choose not to do that, if they do choose to do that, they have a much higher success rate in getting into those jobs based off of feminism. Um, It's not really based on merit. It's not based on test scores, studying scores, anything like that. It's not based off of experience. It's solely based off of, are you a woman or are you a man? And if you're a woman, it's heavily in your favor. Um, uh, The guy I was talking with, Clovers, there, he brought up the laws, which is a common thread throughout this video, which I'll be referencing back to. But if you look at the laws... Not only do they have the right to vote and all the things that men have, but everything is even more in their favor. If you look at family courts, divorce courts, if you look at um, abortion laws, if you look at all the laws that feminism claims that hold them down, those really, those laws really are female beneficiary first. And that's important to understand because a lot of people still believe that there's all these laws holding women back and there's things that they can't do when really it's the men that are being disenfranchised in a lot of these laws, especially when it comes to divorce, family court, abortion, or anything family related. Because that is the root goal of feminism is to take men and women out of their natural uh, gender roles and to confuse them, to to dilute them, to pervert them, and make them something that they're not. Um, now, <laughs> here's one point that we have to talk about because Prager, you, you got to do better. I mean, the video that I saw of Amala and some other guy talking about this bit where I mentioned that women are born with value, men are not. Context is everything. When I say women are born with value, we're talking about on a societal level. Obviously, men and women, under God and as human beings, are equally valuable as as life. On a societal level, though, that is not true. And there's millions of things that show that that is not true. If you look at life and how life progresses, women from birth are naturally desired. They can create life. They foster life. They foster the next generation. Obviously, it takes two to... Uh, create a child but women are the weaker sex when it comes to physical strength that's why when it comes to war and things of that nature it's always protect the women and children there is an innate value to women's life whereas men they are more uh disposable if you will they are willing to die in war they are willing to go do risky jobs and do all these crazy things to further women and children's lives and again that's a god-given responsibility of man to do those things so i have no wrong issue with that i don't think it's a problem feminists think it's a problem because they think that they're not earning their value the same way that a man does so when amala and that guy i don't know his name from prager you make an assessment of that comment and say oh well men and women both have their challenges yada 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 first that's blank slate equalism saying that men and women are the same and face the same challenges which is not true fundamentally from a biological human level not true But also, just from the standpoint of this question, on a societal level, women have an innate desirability. Quentin brought up, who made those? Uh, Women didn't create that. They're right. He's absolutely right. Women did not create their value. God did. When God made women, 
and he made them the ones that furthered the next generation. That's just how it goes. So when we're looking at this, it's just very important to keep everything in context. Again, men and women under God and, in, and human value are the same and are both born with value. From a societal level, though, the guy who's eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew in his mom's basement and hasn't done anything to the world, can't provide for a family, cannot uh, support himself, let alone anyone else, does not have value to society. Whereas a woman who is not a career person or anything like that will still have value and still be desirable by the other sex and in a societal on a societal level. So that's extremely important. Amala, do better. That's all I can say. Um, the last thing is, is obviously I'm drawing my worldview through the, for, through the lens of scripture. When I'm talking about gender roles and I'm talking about what God ordained for men and women, we're talking about Genesis 3. We're talking about um, the fall. We're talking about the institution of marriage. We're talking about the helpmate to the leader in Adam. We're talking about all these things. And you can see Tucker's revulsion to the scripture and to truth when he says the clip that I opened with, obviously, you know, the line, and I'm not going to repeat it, but there's an innate hatred for the truth and to what God says men and women are called to do. And to hate that women are born with value for a sim something as simple as being able to further the next generation through child rearing is pretty ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, the voting, I'm actually going to cover that in a later prompt because feminism is just screwed up big time on especially this whole third wave we'll cover that in a little bit but we're going to move on to the next prompt which is actually about abortion so you know we're we've covered this in the past but we're going to go over it pretty quickly here so let's watch this next bit there's no wrong reason to get an abortion the wording of this question also was atrocious i have to say it was awful so I'll just center it. the conversation so around the very fact that, you know, we're a group of eight men, the optics of eight men in a room talking about when women do and don't deserve to get an abortion is it, it's a bad look. So, yeah, like, right. for me, from a personal standpoint, you know, I have a I have a girlfriend. There might be some reasons on a personal level where her and I having that conversation together. I might say, oh, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. On a legislative level, I don't feel uh, confident enough to legislate when someone is and isn't allowed to get health care. Because yeah. right. that's what abortion is, it's health care. Yeah. One of the paramount ideologies of, I guess, being a quote-unquote male feminist is just the ability to mind your own business. Right. <laughs> um, just to be able to say that this is the wrong reason to have an abortion, you're already headed down the wrong path. Yeah. So being an anti-feminist, I, I look at this and I say, well, I am more religious as well. As am I. So I want to say, like, I'm more like pro-life, right? But if a woman decides that they want to not give birth, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the reason, you know? Maybe she's not, she's not wealthy enough. Maybe, you know, the father left her, you know? There's so many reasons. And then I also look at, like, just gun violence and how we're, like, birthing kids and we raise them and send it to school knowing that it, it can get killed. I don't know. I would feel like... It's like not a safe, it's yeah. not the best world to be raised exactly. in a child. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, a patriarchal um, element, even in your answer, not to combat or what have you. patriarchy again. Um, the idea of trying to cycle, cycle through the reasons why and going, yeah, I guess those make sense, mm -hmm. is still, in my opinion, patriarchal. Even though I was on the feminist side on that topic, it feels like I was put in a position where I was framed as wrong. 
it felt like you aren't allowed to have this opinion on this topic because you're not a woman. And I think that's kind of bullshit, to be honest. Off the top of my head, I know that it was mentioned earlier that abortion is healthcare. And I first want to push back on that. Abortion is not healthcare. Uh, healthcare preserves life, it protects it. Uh, it doesn't take it away, it doesn't eliminate what it. What about the woman's the, life? But when you exterminate a child, that is doing oh, harm. Oh, but it's that not always not a child, right? So it's, is, it's, it's a discussion when it becomes a child or not. That's not a gray area, that's not a it line. It is actually scientifically proven. It is a, it is a separate so strain of DNA at conception. If you ask any doctor- But if you took that clump of cells out, would it survive? It's not a well, clump of cells, that's why you call it a termination. Um, I'm gonna keep going on the prompt here. There's a couple things I wanted to just interject before we continue watching. Um, fundamentally, just wrong mindset out of the gate. And this is the problem with a lot of the world. And this is probably my biggest issue with uh, the debate just from the start is when Quentin says, and both Quentin and Tucker echoing the same thing, the optics of men talking about an issue that involves women as if they don't have a say makes absolutely no sense. The moral superiority that they have to think that because they mind their own business, quote unquote, and don't get involved with the murder of innocent babies makes them somehow better than the next man who wants to stand up and say that abortion is not healthcare, rather the extermination of a child. It's just mind numbing to me because it's a double standard to the max and it's absolute hypocrisy. If men were to, if, because there is no, um, stigma, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here, that says that women can't have a stance on things that involve men. That happens all the time. Happens all the time. I remember when I was actually doing the interview for Jubilee, they asked me, it was a separate prompt, one that we actually didn't even cover in the video. They said, is it right for men to make laws about women? It's a dumb question. Is it okay for women to make laws about men? Because let's say that a woman becomes president. Now she has to make laws that do involve men. So if we're going to say that men can't make laws about women because they are not women, how can we in turn say that women can make laws about men even though that they're not men? It makes no sense. You don't have to be something to know about something. It's the same argument with racism when they say, oh, if you're white, you can't speak about racism. It, it, all this random stuff, all these social justice movements, if you aren't that thing, then you cannot speak about that thing, which is an absolutely idiotic stance to take when it comes to anything in relevant, really anything in general. You can be knowledgeable about something that you currently are not. Um, so I definitely have a problem with that. Um, again, not healthcare. If you guys remember the uh, video that we did with uh, Rebecca on abortion towards the end of season two, we went in depth, had an hour long conversation about the ins and outs of the lies of abortion um, and how messed up the lies are and misinformation towards women that just get you tangled up in all these lies. You hear just how flippantly he says a clump of cells. No one, no baby. No baby is a clump of cells, regardless if it's a day old or nine months old. So it's very sad to me to hear the flippancy of which that term is flung around in direction of unborn babies. And like I had mentioned in the video, uh, per Rebecca, this is something that she stated in our episode. It is a separate DNA. It is a whole separate life at conception, and that is scientifically provable. I think one of the most amazing amazing things about our creator is that he made science to 
show his glory. Science and the scriptures do not contradict, and it's really important for Christians to understand that when talking about abortion. We can say with full confidence that a baby is a separate life at conception and not contradicts scripture and not contradict science. So that is a super important thing. Um, so we're going to continue here. Absolving yeah. women and yeah. men yeah. of responsibility in uh -huh. treating grown ass people mm -hmm. like they are children. Again, we're not, we're not, we're not emphasizing any of those things. I just, right. we're going straight to women right. and making it their problem. Well, exactly. it's, it's a man's problem as well, because if a man gets a woman pregnant, that is his child as well. So one of the things that's really important, what, and what abortion does is it mm -hmm. puts all of reproductive rights in the hands of women when it takes both parties. It's but it takes, she cannot have a child. Without a man. Abortion normalizes women making bad choices. We've kind of given a free pass for people to be a lot more carefree about who they sleep with and not really think twice about the ramifications that may come of it. Okay, super important. And of course they cut this out. So we're gonna have to reel this in. They can't understand what I'm saying here. It's going straight over their head. What abortion, birth control, and all these things have done is it has effectively removed all reproductive rights of men and placed them in the hands of women. So with abortion and birth control, what happens, right? Say, excuse me, say that a man is to get a woman pregnant, and this is what I started to break down before they cut it out, is if a man gets a woman pregnant and he leaves or he doesn't want to have the child, yet the woman does, the woman can, and the man is responsible financially to support that child the man is on the hook financially for that child if it is indeed his child and the reverse is also true say the man gets a woman pregnant he does not want or he does want to have the baby but the woman does not she can in turn get an abortion and terminate the pregnancy and end the life of the child without the husband's approval so all of reproduction is based on the choice of women all the always so what that does to society and the ripple effects that that has down the line are incalculable and we're seeing that right now as these men can't even accept the fact that a unborn child that is in the womb of their mother regardless of what the woman decides to do with it they don't see it as their responsibility only if the child comes full term is the child now their responsibility so it's like they can't come to grips with the fact that they're responsible either way, and they will be liable either way, whether they want the child or whether they do not want the child. Um, something that CJ said, which is really important, is we have to stop absolving both men and women of their responsibilities, and we need to treat them like adults. If a woman allows a man to have sex with her, she needs to be fully aware that you are participating in an act that can bring forth a child. That's why the Bible is so specific on sex being um, in the parameters of marriage. And same for the man. He has to know that if he is impregnating or having sex with a woman, he has a chance to impregnate her. It is extremely important that we keep sex in the confines of marriage. And that's one thing that we talked about in the episode with Hannah in our season finale. But even more important when it comes to this discussion here, because life is precious. And if we're going to treat life with the flippancy that we have in this video from the male feminists, it's a sad thing to see. And we also, again, just responsibility, responsibility, can't preach it enough. Um, so the next prompt was all about mansplaining, which is absolutely just 
a waste of time. So we're going to jump down to another prompt here, which is about finances, women and finances. Now, listen carefully to the prompt because this it's a very slight change of wording and subtle sentences that will get you on the feminist bandwagon without you even realizing it. So let's go ahead and take a listen here. Women should be encouraged to be financially independent of men. I think this one's a no-brainer, right? I believe that men and women are equal. They're just not the same. And I think with that equality comes equal responsibility to be able to provide for yourself. And when I think about what could provide pro oppression, if that were to exist, would be this idea that they were tethered to men to live their lives. I think if you remove that tethering, then obviously women are free to do whatever they please and exit very bad situations. You know, one of the most unfortunate stories that you hear so often is that so many women are forced to live in very dangerous circumstances because they don't know who's going to provide for their child if they leave. They don't know who's going to provide for them if they leave. Uh, and so I think financial independence for anyone is always just a good idea. Yeah, I want to speak about this through a different lens. I think it should be like women should be empowered to be financially independent. Encouraged versus empowered takes a different like sense of support. Speaking to um, how men feel the need to provide. Sometimes when a woman makes more than a man, men can, can feel like they're less of a man because the woman is taking more of like the boss and like provision kind of like role in the household. Okay, we're gonna continue on this one, but I have a couple points that need to be made first just to address exactly what they're saying here. Again, going back to the very first prompt, selling fear. So what feminism has done is, and I've seen this a lot in the church, so I think this is really important for church people as well, because this line of reasoning is extremely toxic. It needs to be eradicated completely. Um, first, we're going to start with the, the prompt itself. Women should be encouraged to be independent of men. Just imagine for a quick second if men walked around saying that. Oh, I'm independent of women. It's 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 just dumb it just sounds foolish it the whole the whole sentence in itself just needs to be thrown out in the garbage trash it do away with it um but again back to what they're selling here they're selling fear so they're saying look if you're a woman and you're not financially independent you can't trust men to provide for you so you need to be able to do it yourself you need to be able to go out and get your degree so that way when your man leaves you, you can go out and get a job and you can still provide for yourself or you can get out of these toxic situations. And you have to sell that fear. The primary or one of the primary roles of men in this society, and this is something that I'll bring up in, in the bit here, is we need to be able to provide for women. That's something that we do. That's something that is a God-ordained responsibility for men to provide for the women of society. So when we tell women, you can't trust men, they're not going to provide for you. You need to do this yourself. It's, it's a whole agenda to get women into areas where they don't need to be. It's to further economic gain. I mean, the whole economic system has shifted because of that narrative where women feel like they need to be able to make their own money just in case their man leaves them. I think it's really important to note, too, what Kevin said about how men get when women earn more money than them. And this goes, again, back to what I was saying about men having to earn their value. And you can look this up. Um, the primary reasons for divorce in America are finances, number one, and sex, number two. So if we're looking at this from a completely logical standpoint, it makes total sense 
why men feel a certain type of way when women make more money than them because while women initiate 80% of the divorces in America, a lot of those divorces are initiated on the precursor of a woman out-earning their man. So if you're a man, especially in the world, um, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, so if my woman makes more than me, she's more likely to leave me, which is a really important thing to note. I mean, if it was the other way around, then this whole thing would make more sense, but it's not. It's completely flipped. Men are much more likely to stay, especially if they're in a um, healthy dynamic where he's providing for her and she's helping him. But when we tell women that they need to be independent and you know chase all this money, they're the ones that actually... I mean, everyone suffers at the end, but when women make more money, they typically leave the relationship because they typically date either across or up, hence the value of men needing to be able to provide. That's something that is a standard and built upon men, not only from scripture, but from the women themselves. If you look at history, women, that was one of the main incentives for women to be married in the first place, was to have a man that would provide for them financially, physically, security, all those things. We've removed that incentive from relationships today, and now we're seeing a completely different side of things. And I think that's just something that's really important to note. Um, I also want to speak on what Kevin said um, about empowerment. We have done nothing to empower women. We have done absolutely nothing. We've empowered women to commit murder, in abortion. We've empowered women to leave relationships based off education and uh, economic status. And when we're talking about women's empowerment, there aren't a lot of industries that women dominate apart from things that are led from uh, sex, if we're being completely honest. We've looked at the rise of pornography, OnlyFans, all these things that are choices that women make. So when we're talking about empowerment, we're talking about the empowerment for women to start an OnlyFans and sell pictures of themselves naked for $4.99 a month. Is that really empowerment to you? I mean, we're we're so far gone from empowerment. Empowerment, what that really looks like is encouraging women to fall into their natural gender roles that are God-ordained. And everybody hates that because we're allergic to that in today's society. But encouraging women to be mothers, encouraging women to be helpmates, encouraging women to be submissive are all things that have been deemed as negative by society. And you can just see as it reeks through this video of people being allergic to scriptural gender roles if we're being completely honest um so i'm going to continue this we're going to go down to 16 16 here i have a few different thoughts um one of them would be the importance of the family i think women should uh go out and be financially uh smart and know how to make money and be able to make money for themselves but being independent of men leaves this notion of that you can never trust a man or that men are unsafe and the problem that this brings is in the family i think can i ask you why uh, hold on i'm just gonna finish my thought I'll, I'll explain with the nuclear family you have and this is for both men and women they're the most happiest when they are in that kind of dynamic and to your point about marriage marriages where women makes more than the man, that's one of the biggest indicators of divorce. And I think there is a societal and honestly God-given responsibility for men to provide. So when men are told that women are going to be independent of you, you're stripping away a lot of their purpose and responsibility to be caretakers of women and to provide for women. But I would also say that the biggest group of people that are on antidepressants, and it's one in four, are women that are 40, have a career, and have no family and no kids. Which is the real meaning of life is community, family, and relationships. Can but I respond to one woman. specific thing you said, you which is um, 
the demographic of, of women over 40 uh, taking antidepressants, and you're using that as proof that yes. they're the most depressed group. Um, yes. Men just kill themselves. Yeah. So yes, like all the men that have killed themselves, if they didn't do that and were still here, men would predominantly be more depressed. That's than a that's a really, there, there's no basis. There's, yeah, there's but no. also the men statistically yeah. kill themselves more. Okay. But we're talking yeah. about two completely so, separate, different points. Well, right. I, think, I think he's just health, saying that. Again, we're gonna rewind here. <sighs> Something super important that was said, and they cut out a lot of it, um, but they kept one of the important parts in. So I'll kind of just fill you in. Um, when we're talking about the dynamic of the family, right? There's just so many lies. There's so many lies when we're talking about feminism. The family works best in that dynamic, which is what I said, which makes the most sense. And one of the things that feminism has done, and I don't know if I'll cover this in another one. I don't even know, but I'm just going to cover it now. Feminism has lied to women in almost every respect. It's sold them that they can have every single thing. It's told them that they can have it all, that you should go out, you should get a career, you can go ahead and you know start your OnlyFans, you can go ahead and do all these things, get a master's, all that stuff, and then whenever you're done with that, you can go ahead and uh, get married and have a family and do all these things. So it is a choice. It is... It, men and women live completely different lives. Men are brought up to be providers, to be responsible, to do all those things, to fulfill masculine traditional role. That's not an option. And there's a few people that will fight me on that and say, oh, well, what about stay-at-home dads? The percentage of people that are stay-at-home dads, very, very small, comparatively speaking to the people that are out there in traditional masculine roles versus women who can choose to live a man's life or choose to live a woman's life. They get to choose both. And a lot of times feminism sells them that they can have both. They can do all of it. And it's not true. And it's not true. Women, and this shows in the statistic that I stated here when we're talking about women on antidepressants. They're sold this dream that they can work and spend all of their youth working. And when they're done working, because inevitably women don't want to work for the long term, most of them, because they know innately that they can be provided for by men. So what happens is, is you have a lot of these women that work for many, many years and work throughout their youth. And by the time they're done and now want to be married, they aren't. And that makes up a large demographic of the people that are on antidepressants because when you realize that the career for you as a woman is not as fulfilling as would be a family and or children and those things, it gets to be very sad and very lonely. And loneliness is one of the, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating. So what we're seeing is a large rise in antidepressant use for women in that demographic because they've been sold a lie and they've went head first into that lie. And when they come out to the other side and they realize that it's all shenanigans, they're, they're much worse off for it. So that's something that really needs to be uh, driven home for the youth and in the church, because like I said, in the church, we're preaching a lot of this same message. You know, what if your husband dies? Well, all these things, we're selling this fear, we're selling the fear to them that they need to go out and they need to work and they need to earn and they need to do what men do. If we look, just look and go back to Genesis 3, if we look and go back to Genesis 3, we're talking about the curse. What was the curse for men? The curse for men is that work would be challenging. The, the ground would fight you. We would toil to provide for our families. That was the curse of men. The curse of women was they would have pain in childbearing. They would want to be in the position of power. They would want to usurp the authority of their husband, but they will need to submit to their husband. Those are the curses. 
And what the sin world has done and what feminism has done is told women that they need to bear the curse of the men as well. And again, it goes back to that choice. Women can choose to live a woman's life or they can choose to live a man's life. They can choose to be both if they, if they can somehow pull that off. And it's a lie. You cannot have it all. Something will give. And we're seeing that give a lot on the tail end of all this quote-unquote empowerment. And it really is sad to see because we're seeing that even in the church. As we're seeing marriage delayed, as we're seeing more and more single people. And all of these things are just getting bigger and bigger because the church is swallowing up all of this feministic narrative that the world is spewing out. That you can have it all, you do everything, they sell the fear, they sell you that you're, you can't trust men. And this is where we end up. Of course, Tucker replies with a completely out of... Uh, pocket statistic of men's suicide rates men are killing themselves for this very reason that we've stripped men of their priorities and their responsibilities to the world when we tell them we don't need you that's feminine one of feminism's biggest lines we don't need men we want men or yada 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 we're independent of men we don't need men boss independent all this stuff so we've stripped men away from the very thing that made us desirable to have in the first place of security, provisioning, financial investment, all those things. Now you're just expendable and you wonder why men are killing themselves. So Tucker, when it comes to this statistic that he's talking about, it's completely misguided and it needs to be directed to where that that source of pain really comes for for men because that's what they're experiencing. A lot of men are living a life of completely undesirability. And they work really hard. They go through life thinking that that's what they should do, which it is. That's their responsibility as men to work hard. Proverbs says the man who doesn't work doesn't eat. All those things need to be done. But there is no return on that because feminism has told the world that you're useless. And all you're good for is the work that you do and nothing else outside of it. Um, <laughs> I could I could speak so much further on that, but I think we're just going to move to the next point so that way we can stay on track here. Um, this one is a little bit closely tied, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Innocent men suffer because of feminism. So I think today in 2022, uh, feminism has changed drastically. And I think it's, it's really turned into demonizing masculinity in men while promoting masculinity in women and with that good men are being pushed to the wayside and pushing parts themselves down and not embracing their own masculinity because society is telling them that it's wrong. 100%. I think like anything that is deemed masculine is seen as now toxic mm -hmm. and um, I see it all over social media. You can't really say anything or do anything, especially even like against or even for yourself. Um, without it being like some weaponized in some way or shape or form. Yeah. It's a shame that feminism has become less about actual equality and more about supremacy. It's right. not about equal yeah. rights between men and women. It's about women being superior to men. And women don't even like it anymore, right? I, I, I hear conversations with so many girls that are, fr that are friends of mine. They're like, I hate what feminism has become because it makes me feel as if I'm a victim and also too that men aren't supposed to be men anymore. There is a notion out here that we need to clear up. There is a notion that third wave feminism is different from first wave feminism. We're going to do a little history lesson. We're going to do a little history lesson right now because this needs to end. 
one of the things that people think and a lot of people, traditional conservative people that try to align with feminist narratives will do is they'll say, oh, I'm a third wave feminist or I'm sorry, I'm a first wave feminist. And then they'll say, oh, you know, third wave feminism is crazy. Not realizing it's the exact same message with different messengers. I'm going to link a video in uh, in the description and we'll get there in a second. Um, but feminism from the very start has been a movement to for women to become men and for women to be better than men. Um, if you go all the way back to 1848 when the Declaration of Rights for Women in Seneca Falls, New York, if you go all the way back there and you read through what women wanted back then. In 1848, this is first wave feminism, the suffragettes, all that jazz. They're talking about women need to be able to preach and do what men do in the pulpit. They're talking about financial independence they're talking about you know being independent of men all the same stuff that we're talking about here they're talking about um obviously voting which i think is the one good thing that actually came from it but we're talking about all the same stuff that third wave feminism is promoting we're talking about all of the same stuff what we're not talking about is the fact that first wave feminists were actually terrorists. I'm going to link a video in the description, like I said, called the Suffragette Bombers, which is actually the actual history of the suffragette movement, which were the original feminists who were burning down police precincts, who were planning assassinations, blowing up trains, all kinds of crazy stuff that the conservative people that like to align with feminism will never acknowledge. So we have all these people that are talking about, oh, first wave versus third wave, yada, yada, yada. It's all the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, did something good come of feminism and giving women the ability to um, vote in the country that they live in and, you know, have better opportunities in education in that regard? Sure. I would agree with that. However, on the large scale, what it has done in its ripple effects throughout history, especially with think people thinking that they're two different things, are completely misguided. Especially when we're talking about like uh, coverture laws for financial gain back then, which was a thing. Women have always been able to own properties, get jobs, and make money. However, with no-fault divorce, which is a thing because of feminism women now can take those things through divorce which they couldn't before because if a woman was financially independent before she got married and then she got married now those assets would belong to the man as he was responsible and liable which is really important for all of that woman's debts so there was an equal exchange there was an equal exchange if the woman decided to leave she cannot then take all of the things that the man is now responsible for in providing for her now you just have a woman who's unhappy she leaves her marriage and she's able to take half of the man's things and whatever else she wants as well presumably the kids as well because those laws are all in favor of women via feminism so even the people on my side when they're talking about feminism and how it makes innocent men suffer they're talking about something completely different because men have been suffering because of feminism since 1848 and whether that's through the explosions of police precincts or plotted assassinations of political figures blowing up of train stations all that good stuff or it's now women trying to be independent of you trying to be men trying to be pastors trying to do all those things they're suffering either way um so let's see i think that was um all that i had 
Actually, you know what? Let's go to 2228s. So that way we can hear them a little bit because they're out of pocket for sure. When I started hearing y'all talk, y'all have a huge misconception of even what feminism is. Well, the goal of explain, feminism yeah, isn't to, to demasculate men. The goal of feminism is to fight for social, political, and economic equality for everyone, to, regardless of your race, opportunity gender. Or equality of outcome, because it used to be equality of opportunity, and that's when I would say I would be a feminist. But, but either now way, it's become equality of but, outcome. But, but either way, yes and no. It used to be about equality of outcome, supposedly, but it never has been. And Josh, unfortunately, doesn't understand what feminism is either. If we're talking about, oh, it's about economic equality and all those things. No, it isn't. How many times have you heard feminists say, oh, men are trash, all these things? We're not talking about equality. We're talking about demonizing men, which is what Clarkson said originally, and we're talking about upping women. We are doing both of those things constantly in our culture. We've told men that all the things that make them men are bad. That's what we've done. And if you don't think that's what feminism stands for, then clearly you're walking through life with your eyes shut and your ears plugged because it's everywhere in our society. You look at the media, you look at music, you look at um, movies, you look at shows, all of it screams at the same thing. It's the same preaching points of selling fear to women, telling them they need to be independent, t bringing them outside of their gender roles, all of those things combined. It's just an extremely toxic thing to do. Um, we're going to move on to a really fun one, actually, because this one I got a lot of flack for. Um, let's see. No brainer. completely regressive um <laughs> completely regressive okay men and women are not the same in almost any respect i mean we're both human we're both made in god's image but the way that we function in society and the way that we interact with each other is completely different when we're talking about oh anyone is eligible oh, blah 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 that's great you can say that if you want but it's not true if we look at scripture I think we have one instance in the entirety of scripture of a, wo a woman leading a group of men. Um, on large and throughout the course of history, it has always been men as the leaders of society. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be leaders. When God made Adam and he made Eve, Eve is the helpmate to Adam. That is the dynamic. That is the structure. And it's always been that way. And it should be that way. So when I'm disagreeing with this prompt, I'm what I'm saying is that men need to step up and need to be leaders. Am I discounting any of the women that are out there fighting for change and doing great things in the political sphere? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think that's good for them that they've done that. But the part that I rail against is the part that they have to do it in the first place. Because men should be the ones stepping up and filling those roles to fight for the women, to fight for society, and to fight for the morals and biblical values that need to be in place. So where women can do great things in that space, it is 
incumbent upon the man to do those things. And they have abdicated their responsibility and their authority. And yes, authority is the word because men, God gave men authority. They've thrown that away. They need to take that back. They need to step up and they need to lead society in a way that is biblical and moral. And they need to affect, effectively do that. And they can do that via president. So when I'm saying no, that's what I'm railing against. Um, when he's talking about men and women are largely the same, that's just inaccurate. And you can see that in almost every way in the way that men interact with each other. The thought processes, the way they build society. And I'll kind of say that in the, um, in the next bit here. Um, so let me see here. Women are fit to be president. I mean, really, this is a no-brainer yeah, for me. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think that this is, um, I expected this to be unanimous, but I think this will probably be the most biggest agreement amongst the group today. I, I think that yeah. anyone who's born in America above the age of 35 that's not a felon, you can be you can be present right and i think a lot of times in these conversations we focus on the differences between men and women but just you know based off of studies men and women are very similar creatures i mean we're the same species we think the same on most levels and to say that a, a woman can't do the same job as a man to me is is completely regressive um now i consider myself an anti-feminist today but this is the type of question that i would be a feminist for 50 okay. years ago again optimal versus ability to and this is the same thing with like the military people you hear this all the time they'll say women can be in the military yes women can be in the military if you're talking about women being in combat roles in the military it is not optimal to a man being in the military based off of the differences between men and women men are physically stronger men are better in combat than women i'm sorry to tell you that's just the way it is obviously there's going to be outliers to that but in general which is the only thing we can speak to is men in combat roles is the optimal situation to be in same thing here God calls men to be leaders. It is the optimal situation where men are leading society. However, women can be fit if they have biblical views, if they have good policies, if they have all those things. Sure, they could be a president, and I'm sure that will happen in the next couple years. I'm sure someone will be up there, whether they're good or not. It's going to happen eventually. However, that does not make it the optimal situation for a woman to be in a leadership position, especially over the entire nation. That is something that God has called men to do, and I think men need to step up and continue to do that and do it in a more biblical and moral way. Um, so the railing against this viewpoint, I never really understood, especially from people in the church. It seems like a pretty straightforward thing, but the church has adopted just as much egalitarian um, ideology as the world has. It just is preached in a different way. If you really pay attention and you break down to what's happening in a lot of these churches, you'll hear the same egalitarian talking points as you'll hear out in the world. So it's complementarianism always versus egalitarianism. I mentioned this on the prompt as well. I am a complementarianist where I believe that men and women are better together and they complement each other. However, that doesn't mean that they aren't different. They are completely different. Egalitarianism means that they are exactly the same. You hear a lot, oh, 50-50 relationship, 50-50 this, or I want an equal partnership. All that stuff is nonsense. It is not that. It's never been that. It will never be that. So we need to be realistic. We need to be biblical about it when we're making these um, decisions on how we're going to vote for people, how we're going to engage in relationships, what that, what that dynamic looks like in a very real and practical sense. So when I'm disagreeing with this prompt again in context, can they be fit? Sure. Should they be fit? And should they be 
is it the optimal situation rather is the proper wording no i don't think it is optimal um we'll go to the next one this one is a really funny one um i just yeah it this this makes no sense makes no sense um this is the pay gap uh, you guys are familiar with this and this argument has debunked a million times over so it's kind of funny that we're having it now um again on this prompt it's it's going to be the same talking points as your typical feminist jargon um but you know we'll see the gender pay gap is real i agree that the pay gap is real um but i don't agree with the studies that a lot of people use to say that it's solely based because of being a woman rather than taking into account career preference time taken off the actual way you do your job. Um, there's a lot of other variables that go into these studies, and a lot of times I see the feminist movement say, oh, if you're a woman, you're gonna make less than a man, and it's just a lot more complex than that. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree that it's a nuanced conversation, so there's like two things that I wanna put on it. My dad, right, do you think my dad raised my brother and I and my sister the same? Obviously not, no, I would hope point. not. Well, yeah, but like in the sense you're that my dad pushed me into different things than he pushed my sister towards. I think women are raised in a way where they're not encouraged to pursue their interests. And now we're starting to get to a generation where I think that might happen, but it's gonna take some time. But then this, the second one is gonna be that you get what you negotiate. And, and this is, I can only give personal experience again. My dad has worked in HR of a company. They offer men more at the start than they do women because men uh, are more likely to negotiate anyways. Women are more likely to take the first thing that is that offered. Is, that's the so, true, yeah. So, and, and that is the thing where they take advantage. Thank you, Tucker, for making our argument and proving our point. Um, so I think the best thing to start with would be just this question because it kind of proves my previous point on the previous prompt about women being president. He asked the question, do you think my dad raised me and my sister the same? No. He didn't because his sister is a girl and he is a boy. They are raised differently because they are inherently different in almost every way. It's simple. It really is simple. Why we've decided to make this so complicated and say that, oh, you should raise them the same and blah, blah, blah. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Even he understands that, hence why he's using that to ask the question for his point that he's going to make. He's using the differences of men and women when it suits him, but then when it doesn't suit him, he's going to try and reel it in and say, oh, you know, whatever. It makes no sense. This is a common thing that happens. That's what feminism does as a whole, is it wants to be men when it suits them, but it also... They want to be women when it suits them as well. So they want to get all the benefits of femininity and being women, but they want all of the privileges and bonuses of being men added onto that as well. You can't have it all, as we've already discussed. We can't have it all. Um, he uses his little story to say his dad pushes his daughter to do different things, yada, 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 which we know this isn't true. And the most free countries in the world, the U.S., um, a lot of European countries where it's extremely egalitarian, all the women still choose the same fields that they're choosing. Why? Because men and women are different. Women prefer to be working in industries that are more people-based. Men are not. It's just that simple. It's just really that simple. I think it also can go back to the question of money when we're talking about this. Men know inherently that they have to be providers. And I think that is an extremely valuable driving point when it comes to a man choosing a career. Um, 
men know that the amount of money they make is carries a lot of weight in a lot of circles obviously for christians it's not as important obviously you still want to make money so you can provide for your family and do what the lord calls you to do and you shouldn't want to necessarily be living check to check you want to be able to have a little bit of freedom to be able to give to the church give back to your community um, help people in your life all those things so it's it's an important aspect of life and men know that inherently so the careers that they choose are a reflection of their knowledge of that responsibility However, on the other side, women's um, view of money is not the same as men's in most cases. That's why they choose careers that are a little bit more comfy, a little bit more people-oriented, and they pay less. There's an inherent knowledge also on the woman's side that knows that they can be provided for, whether that's government assistance, whether that's marriage, all those things. There's a lot of things in society put in place to help and provide for women which is the way that it should be in most cases however this translates directly into the gender pay gap we're talking about teachers we're talking about nurses and all those things are extremely valuable professions and we'll touch on that in a moment however that does not negate the fact that those things are more driven by women than they are by men there's multiple reasons for that but the finances of that is a big issue um so yeah we'll continue to move on here there are societal things in place that put women at a deficit when it comes to making money. What are those things? What are those things, Quentin? What are those things? Tell me what those things are. He says there's barriers stopping women from making money. What are those things? As we discussed earlier, quotas, scholarships, pushing women to these degrees that they don't even care about, what are your barriers? A lot of times you're more likely to get the job. What are the barriers? And this is, again, they sell you the victimhood. You have to believe that there are barriers in order for this movement to continue to go. If you believe that there are no barriers, you're going to do exactly what everyone else is doing and doing what you want to do. But the problem is, is they sell you the fear. They sell you the victimhood. They say you are disenfranchised for what? What are your barriers? Because as far as I can tell, you're not applying to be in construction. You're not applying to be bricklayers. You're not applying to do all the things that you're, you know, a lot of the things that men do. You're not applying to carry trash. You're not applying to do any of the structural or infrastructural work that is needed to move the world. You're complaining about office jobs and you're complaining about, um, you know, all this other stuff. All, all the, the, you know, easy mundane stuff. What are the barriers? Someone please tell me what the barriers are. They'll never be able to tell you. They'll never be able to tell you. Tucker tries to tell you by saying, oh, they offer men and women different salary rates because men are more likely to negotiate. Again, men and women are different. However, do I think that's right that they offer men and women different salaries at the start? No, I don't think it is right. However, if companies understand that men are less agreeable and more likely to fight for a wage... That's going to be the result that you get. So if women inherently know that, and this is something that will come up in the prompt as well, when they say, fight for the wage, that's what you're going to get. You need to fight for the wage or else you will not get it. So there's this weird thing with feminism where they think that it should just be handed to you. Should just, And this is, 
um, honestly, this is where this whole like everybody's a winner mentality comes from because you think that regardless of your experience, regardless of your work history, regardless of your education, because you're a woman, you should be handed the same salary. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, we'll continue here. Uh, 37, 34. Teachers, nurses, medical professionals, objectively important jobs for the fabric of society. In the United States. And, so we, and, we, complete, and we clearly undervalue these industries that are women dominant. Do you think that that's just a coincidence? No, where I would agree with you is I do think that teachers and nurses should make more money, but that doesn't factor into the point that there is a pay gap because if a man goes to be a teacher, he's still gonna get paid the same amount as a woman. Right, so let's, take really a job, exactly. let's take a job where men and women both participate. Like, World Cup's going on right now. Look at the U.S. American oh men's team. And <sighs> Oy vey. All right, the good old sports one. It's ridiculous. So, again, like I said, teachers, nurses, those things are primarily dominated by women. I think those are important jobs, but if they are the ones that are lower paying and those are the jobs that women are choosing, we cannot use that to say that there is a pay gap. It doesn't exist. If you want to get a different job, why don't you choose one of the jobs that you have a scholarship or a quota for? Because you can get in there relatively easy. So it's it's a completely just ridiculous argument. They cut out one of the, I feel like one of my better moments in the show on this on this uh, prompt. I asked Tucker because this whole conversation just doesn't have legs without this, you know, emotional plight. I asked him, you know, if if employers knew that women they can pay women less and it's okay to pay women less and that's just kind of how it is because that's what they're saying that's what this question presupposes that they just pay women less why would any business owner in a capitalistic society hire men there's no benefit to hiring men if they can pay women cheaper it's pure profit it's pure profit of course they can't give you an answer to that question it's just fumbling and bumbling and all kinds of you know emotionalism because that's that's the logical outflow of this question. If companies can pay women less, they would hire all women and no men would have jobs. It would just be all women. Again, that it's it's just foolishness. So we just need to use our heads a little bit and you know not make such ridiculous <laughs> questions. And then you have Josh who's bringing up women's sports. Again, we all objectively understand that men sports versus women's sports are things that shouldn't even be said in the same sentence. The WNBA is a male subsidized league. No one pays for it. The feminists don't watch it. I don't I Josh couldn't tell you five WNBA players. He probably couldn't even tell you one. He could probably maybe tell you who Brittany Griner is due to the Russia trade. But that's probably about it. No one watches WNBA, no one watches women's soccer, no one watches any of that stuff. Because men's is objectively better. So to use that in an argument for the pay gap is just, it, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Uh, moving on to the next one. This one's actually pretty funny. When I heard this one get called out, it's just, <sighs> I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty obvious um, what the answer is. But, you know, we'll, we'll run through it just for, the, just for kicks and giggles. Male feminists are in it to get laid. I'm excited for this one because <laughs> I don't like women sexually, so this is gonna be a very interesting conversation. Um, 
<laughs> I think that if you are a straight male, the way you view women, women subconsciously is always going to be have something to do with sex. Right. On on, on just a fundamental level, just in nature. Now, that might not be the whole premise, but I do think that it has something to do with it. Yeah, I think, like, again, the problem with these statements is, like, they're general. I think there are men out there that are predatory and are posing as feminists to get into the pants of women. And I think it's kind of emblematic of, like, there are men that don't understand the full gravity of how people who are real feminists feel about the situation. And they kind of see see it as like this, like oh, this cool hot social issue. And if I yeah. talk about it, it puts me in the group of of the of the good people. And right. I don't think it's always heinous. While there are people that are doing that, some of it's just like s- such blatant ignorance that yeah. they right. they lack the understanding. Yeah, I think even the the posing of the question is indicative of the truth of the matter that I think a lot of the time it is that because if you align yourself with a lot of the more traditionally toxic masculine traits and you're not viewed as on team woman then you're not going to be in line with a lot of western women in today's society yeah so I mean this is a pretty simple straightforward one I just thought it was funny so I kind of wanted to add it in there's so much of this that I think is just inrooted in men from the day that they're born growing up. And I mean, I didn't really notice a lot of it until I was a little bit older and could understand what was really happening. And I had a great picture of what masculine and feminine looked like from a very young age with my parents and with my siblings. Um, so that was never in question. But this whole idea of aligning with feminist values as a man doesn't make a whole lot of sense apart from the fact that aligning with western women on feminist ideals is the most it's the easiest way to let them know that you're on their side and you're not one of these misogynist pigs and you know you're you empower women to do whatever they want and to make whatever terrible choices they want to make that's the easiest seemingly the easiest way to try and um get in bed with them and that's ultimately the prompt the point of this prompt and i feel like that's really the only way it can be taken. I mean, obviously, there's probably people that are, you know, you have the exception to your rule in every scenario. And like Kevin said, we're speaking in generalities, which is all we really can do as much as people hate to do it. That's the only way you can have a conversation. I can't speak to the 10th dentist every time. I have to speak to the nine. So I know people don't like speaking in generalities, but in most cases, you have to speak to the nine. You can't always speak to the 10th dentist. Um, but yeah, in general, that is why women, uh, men align themselves with these ridiculous views that t- take their masculinity and throw it in the trash they, and uses and abuses them for all that they're worth with nothing back in return. That's what feminism does to men. Um, all right. We're going to go to the last prompt. So if you're still with me on this, I appreciate you. We're almost done here. Let's check out the last prompt, which is all about patriarchy. I like living in a patriarchal society. Um, I would say patriarchal society. Again, I've, I've 
mentioned uh, the scriptural basis for this, um, but I think patriarchal society is the way that society functions best. Yeah, patriarchy is just a man-led society. So I think we've kind of flipped the term on its head to mean something that it doesn't mean, to say that a patriarchy is a society that oppresses women. That's not what a patriarchy is. So I think if you have a patriarchy operating properly, you have men that are responsible and taking care of their families, taking care of the women of society, and in turn the women have equal opportunities to pursue whatever career they want, to be a mom, to be a wife, and to do the things that they want to do as well. Okay, um, it's kind of funny. This wasn't the only prompt where I was the only one that either didn't go forward or the only one that went forward. There is actually quite a few. Um, so it's funny that this was the last one and it kind of crescendoed at this because throughout the course of the entire debate, everyone was talking about patriarchy, this patriarchy, that, and... No one could define the word. No one knows what a patriarchy means. They kept saying, oh, it's a, it's a system that takes power away from women. It's a system that is made to oppress women. It's a system. It's some kind of weird, you know, plot, you know, man-made plot to keep women in the dirt. And it's just like this, <laughs> it's just, it's wrong in every sense of the way. A patriarchy is a man-led structural governmental society. That's what a patriarchy is. So when these people are using patriarchy to further their arguments for why feminism is good and all this stuff, it makes no sense. Um, and as I mentioned, God ordained st the structure to be that way. And the gospel and scripture is what the world hates. So them railing against patriarchy is really no surprise to me. The problem I have is when the church does not support this and the church goes full egalitarian and the church goes full, um, you know, matriarchy and they're supporting of this and because from the world we should suspect nothing else but from the church we need to be stand firm on what the lord calls to be how society churches families all those things are ran so it's really important that they you know stand firm for that because the world is so wishy-washy they don't know they don't know the truth and as much as you can try to educate them the idealism and the emotionalism and the sin nature of them just clouds them from that truth until the Lord opens their eyes. Um, but yeah, I'm actually going to finish off with something that's really important here. So let's say, let's go to 48, 40. This is a little bit of a personal emotional thing. Um, at the beginning of September, uh, I lost my brother to cancer. Hmm. And um, it took about two or three weeks off work and then I really started feeling, you know, the financial impact of it. And uh, I have my girlfriend, you know, people in my life telling me that they want to help me out financially. But I have this thing internally within me that feels like a leech. In some way, shape, or form, that is because of this thing that I, this expectation that we put on men to be providers. It's really fucking hard. And I can't explain why. I would have liked to have a little bit more time than three weeks before I had to start worrying about fucking money again after my, my brother passed away. And I do feel like that kind of is a direct result of the patriarchy. Like the, and I, I know that it is myself. It's my personal feelings. Okay. It was cool after he shared this story and that was the last prompt. We all hugged it out and, you know, we were able to walk away cordially and I appreciated him sharing that and josh also said shared a really you know touching story about losing a friend i believe it was as well um 
And yeah, life is hard. Life is extremely challenging. And as men, sometimes when it comes with these really hard moments, you can feel that way. And the expectation is heavy. And that's why we need a savior ultimately. Because we can't carry this load all on, all on our own. However, our emotions can't be the thing that runs society. Our emotions can't be the things that dictate our reality. While feeling emotions, all those things are very real and they impact our lives on a day-to-day. As a man, you have to be able to walk through that. and You have to be able to understand that, yes, I am going through this hardship, but the Lord promises strength to me. And the Lord will give me that strength to continue to move forward and to provide for my family and to do the things that I know I need to do. There's been plenty of times where I'm going through a trial and I don't want to do the things that I know I need to do. But unfortunately, that isn't the way that society works. If every time we didn't feel like doing something, we just didn't do it, we would have nothing. Our society would not be built. We wouldn't have any in inventions we wouldn't have anything because at the first sen- uh, sign of struggle we give up and we stop what we're doing and we cave and it's not easy and again his story is super compelling and i understand it to have to feel like you have to worry about constantly providing and doing all these things all the time it's heavy especially when you're grieving but our situations don't absolve us of responsibilities that we have and tucker can call it patriarchy it's called God-ordained responsibility. And there's plenty of scriptures where you can read through where there's agonizing trial happening, but there still needs things that need to be done, and they get done. So that's what feminism is based on if we really want to drill down. It's emotionalism at its core to say, I feel a certain way. I'm going to do this thing regardless of the implications of it. If I want to be a man, if I feel like doing what men do, I will do that thing. If I feel like I want to do this, I'll do that. If I want to feel like getting an abortion, I'll get an abortion. It's all about how we feel. Emotionalism has become the god of today's generation. However you feel, whether you feel like a man or you feel like a woman, whether you feel like using this bathroom or using that bathroom, if you're obese but you feel skinny, you're skinny. However you feel is the way that it is. And unfortunately, that's not the way that it is. It's not the way that it is. There, I heard this quote, which is a really great quote, and he said, um, reality does not adhere to social construct. So as much as feminism and the woke ideology and you know egalitarian churches and all those things want to prop up emotionalism and say that if you feel a certain way or you want to do this thing or we're going to buy into this uh, worldly belief and that's how we feel, reality doesn't care about that. Reality still stands. The truth still stands. God's way of the world still stands. And we as Christians need to further that. That was a lot of information to get through. I appreciate y'all sticking with me. And I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of season three. There's going to be a lot more episodes like this where I'm breaking down videos and doing stuff like this. So I'm excited. We're going to have some guests back on for season three as well. Ashley will be back here and there making an appearance. So if you guys are ready for an epic season three, go ahead and leave a like. I'm super excited to keep going. Um, And again, I appreciate you sticking with me if you've made it this far. So go ahead and drop a like, drop a comment. Let me know which prompt you thought was the most ridiculous or which answer you thought was the best. I don't know. Let me know something. Let me know if you watched the original video. Um, I posted on my Instagram a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure some of you guys have checked it out. So let me know what you guys think. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the next one.